0: Hello and welcome to the CXCast where we cover all things experience. I'm your co-host Adele Sage, joined as always by Angelina Jenis. Hi Angelina. Hey Adele. Today we have a new guest to the show. It's always fun to bring on new folks. And this person is an analyst on the Future of Work team. I am excited to welcome Jonathan Roberts. Jonathan used to be an advisor with me over in the leadership boards. And he is now an analyst helping clients answer all kinds of great questions about employee experience and employee wellness. Welcome, Jonathan.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here.
0: Let's start with what you cover as an analyst now. Tell us more.
1: Sure. So one of my kind of primary coverage areas is employee wellness and well-being. And I know that means a lot of different things to different people. So with your permission, I would like to just define what it what it is, what we're talking about when we say employee wellness and employee well-being.
2: Yes, please. please we do. love definitions.
1: <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so let's break down the word, right? So wellness, the the state, so nest, the state of being. Well, the completeness, wholeness in any one of the particular areas of wellness, right? And we call them dimensions. There's eight different dimensions of wellness that we on the future of work have identified to work together to become what you will then recognize as employee well-being, right? So we're talking about physical wellness and physical wellness is historically what people meant when they said wellness in general. Um, we were talking about you know, on-site gyms and food options, right? So we're still talking about physical wellness, but we are also, in addition, talking about emotional wellness and psychological wellness, right? That, that makes up our, our individual wellness space. And then we are also talking about social, occupational, and spatial wellness. Spatial wellness. So when you are paying really close attention to the environments, both physical and digital environments that people try to get work done in, That's what we're talking about, right? So is it so cold in your office that you can't function? That is in the spatial wellness camp. Do you have all the equipment that you need in your home office during the pandemic to get work done, right? That falls in the spatial wellness category. Occupational wellness, as I mentioned, that is how confident, complete, and whole are you within the context of your job, those tasks, and the organization? Are you worried about getting fired every day? Do you feel like there's some semblance of job security? So that's, that's how comfortable you are with the job, with the tasks, with the skills that you need, with the tools that you have. That's what we call kind of occupational wellness. And then social wellness would be, what are some of the feelings of belonging that you have? What are some of your social groups at work? Are you isolated? Do you feel supported by both your colleagues or your manager or the executive leadership, let's say, right? So that is social wellness. And then the last book we have is what I call contextual wellness, right? So this is How well are you in the spaces that surround you and surround the organization, but that also really impact you and how you put your work? So we're talking about financial wellness, right? How secure are you in your financial future? And then also spiritual wellness. Spiritual, and I know we we oftentimes shy away from that term in the space, but I, I want you to think less about organized religion and more about meaning-making, purpose, vision, and mission. This is where volunteering fits in. This is where donating fits in. Um, We call that spiritual wellness, right? So all eight, and I can go through the list again, that is physical, emotional, and psychological. It's social, occupational, and spatial, and then financial and spiritual. All of these different dimensions of wellness, if we're looking at them together, and in totality, we're now talking about well-being the state of wholeness, completeness, in just your existence as it pertains to the organization, as it pertains to your work and your job, right? So I hope I didn't confuse you because it's a lot to kind of digest, but that is what we're talking about when we say wellness and well-being.
2: What was the benefit of parsing out all the different dimensions of wellness in your research?
1: It really depends on what the altitude that you're speaking about any of these given dimensions are, right? So from a workforce perspective the idea is well-being it is that your workforce feels complete feels whole and has all of the resources they need to do the job now we have been managing work resources forever right do you have the right tools do you have the right information do you have the right skills but there's other resources that are kind of unaccounted for do you have energy do you have goodwill Do you have a positive outlook? Do you feel safe? Do you feel like you belong? All of those things are just as important as are you using the right laptop in terms of the resources that you have to get the job done. So when we're talking about it from that altitude, we're talking about well-being. Now, they're still parsed out into eight different dimensions because we can impact any one of those spaces with tools, with training, with different technologies, with different initiatives. And they're treated very differently. You support employees differently with each of them. So that's why we have to be very cognizant of them individually. But at the organizational level, we're really trying to impact well-being as a concept.
0: One area that CX pros often get into is helping their EX colleagues with employee engagement measurement. How do these dimensions fit into what you should be measuring about employee experience?
1: I know you guys have done a lot of work on the relationship between EX and CX, right? So that's probably why you invited me. This is not work that happens in a vacuum, and it's not out the outcomes are not experienced in a vacuum. So in terms of, of measurement, and this is the number one question I'm asked, okay, if it's so important, how do we measure it? And there are ways to measure it, right? We measure employee engagement. And so it is really just a focusing or refocusing on some of the areas on this list that you can start to really understand where you are now and then do some benchmarking to say, hey, what's the optimal level here in terms of, you know, let's say financial wellness. How many of our employees are struggling outside of this organization with student loans, right? Do we have any resources for them? Why? Because, you know, I have a stat where employees that are, Facing financial turmoil and really kind of concerned about their finances, spend up to three hours during the workday trying to manage their own personal finances, right? If that is not a shared interest between the organization and its employee, I don't know what is, right? So we're looking at all of these different dimensions and how you would benchmark against them based on other organizations, based on where you are at any given point of time. One other thing I'll say about measurement is this is one of those areas where the voi is more important than the roi so the value of this investment is going to be a lot more important than the return of the investment as a calculation there is exponential impact when you pay attention to wellness and well-being in the organization and i have this depiction because when i was talking to organizations about this this made the most sense you can measure the height of a wave. You can anticipate where the wave will crest. You can anticipate where the wave will hit the shore. You can measure a wave, but there are only two people, two positions that really understand the impact of the wave. It is the person that is successfully riding on top of it. And it is the person that is being crushed beneath it. Those are the only two perspectives that really, really get to the impact of this wave. And in the same way, An organization that has a workforce that is well. The benefits are exponential and you'll see them in almost every aspect of the organization, right? You will see it in your CX. You will see it in your EX. You will see it in the ways that your workforce is, is being more creative or more collaborative or more resilient or more adaptive. You will see it in the way they interact with the organization. You will see it in their perception of the organization. You will see it in retention. You will see it in recruiting. You will right. So it is, it is an exponential benefit when you focus here. When your employees are okay, a lot of things fall into place. And then contrastingly, when your employees are not okay, you also feel that much more far reaching than the return of your investment as a calculation. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, it does, and it it shows a little bit of the why we should care about this. Any other reasons beyond value why you're so passionate about this?
1: Recently, in August of 2020, the SEC revised its regulations so any company on the stock exchange now has to divulge anything having to do with their employees. And the definition is pretty loose. But for the first time ever, now organizations have to divulge all of the work they're doing with the humans that make up their their organization. Why? They have made a statement saying that the true value of these companies are not in physical capital anymore. It's in human capital. So now for the first time ever, the SEC is saying, We actually cannot properly evaluate your organizations if we're not also looking at what you're doing to support and retain and attract talent. This changes the game. This is now not a feel-good or a nice-to-have. This is the value of your organization. People are not interchangeable. Their skills cannot be kind of bartered in the way that we have been. We really do need to now make this investment. So why it matters, the most valuable asset are your people. As we head into the future of work, right, and and many of you know Forrester's kind of prediction of the future of work is that organizations now have to be, in order to succeed and thrive in the future of work, more creative, more resilient, and more adaptive than ever before. Those things simply cannot be done if you are not well, if your workforce is not well. You simply don't have the resources to do that consistently and optimally. There are literally things that you cannot do. If you are burnt out, you are not collaborating. You are doing the bare minimum. If you are depressed, right, and missing days of work, you're not adaptive. You're not leaning into new change and new process and new functionality and new leadership and new mandates. If you're depressed, you are not being creative. You are doing your job. And that's the the most anyone can expect from you, right? So wellness is now going to be linked to the very things that make you successful in the future of work. That's why we should care about it.
0: That's very compelling.
1: I mean, I think so. <laughs> it's one of those things that we can't performance manage in the, w- in the traditional way that we, we've been performance managing things. I am speaking directly in between the lines of the job description. I can say, did you put seven widgets into the seven boxes? But I can't say, did you do it with energy? Did you collaborate? How are you constantly thinking about ways to do it better and faster and cheaper? Are you approaching this with curiosity and and assessing risk properly. You can't performance manage those things. This is where those things live. So
0: can you tell us some ways in which companies are doing this? Well, I imagine that nobody's, you know, doing it really well, but please correct me if I'm wrong, (laughs) but you know, what are, what are some examples that our listeners can take away and potentially implement?
1: So I'll leave you with three recommendations, maybe some examples. So. One, what I what I write about in my report is better data for better decisions, right? So historically, a lot of the decisions in this space were gut feel, gut feeling, or or kind of what's left in the budget, or what will give us the biggest discount on our kind of insurance premiums. That is not a way to make these kinds of decisions, right? You're going to need to figure out the best deep listening methods, right, for your organization. Get very close to this. And I know it's expensive. And I know a lot of people don't like to uh, to stay in here. There's ways to do this safely and ethically and legally, but really find out in what ways that you can support your employees that would be really, really impactful. So definitely better data for, for better decisions. Second thing is finding a new home for wellness. Wellness has been sitting on the floor in the back corner of the HR closet forever. And that's why it's, always felt a little hypocritical, right? It would kind of come out in these weird spurts and say, we have a Fitbit giveaway in the lobby, or we're taking all the chips out of the vending machines. And it always seemed really disconnected from the culture. And so my call is wellness needs to be integrated into all aspects of the organization. It needs to be something that from the top down, so from the executive suite, all the way through people managers, It needs to be something that's kind of promoted. They need to be safe spaces around wellness, around discussions about wellness. There needs to be space made to take part in a lot of these benefits and in ways that we're supporting our employees. So for instance, if a CEO says, hey, everyone, we're going on a 5K, but your direct manager has you at 130% and you're not going anywhere, that's not alignment, right? That is not... Wellness doesn't exist to you in that particular spot in the organization, right? So it needs to be aligned. It needs to kind of permeate all aspects of the organization. And we have really great examples of this, right? We have, there's an airline that I just spoke to, and the head of one of their development groups says that she has a a weekly stand-up where they're not allowed to actually talk about any of the tasks, the work tasks. It is a, how you guys doing? What do you guys need? right? Very small change, 30 minutes uh, out of a week. But she says ever since she started doing that, all of the benefits that you'd expect to see, she's seen. So they're actually better at the work. They're more efficient. They have one of the highest productivity numbers in all of the, the development teams. But they're also open to talking with her about some of their issues or some of the ways that they need support, right? So someone is having childcare issues and very, very stressed. And so they modified her working hours, right? She didn't start till 1030 and she worked later on the tail end of the day, right? So the space needed to have been created, and then a manager needed to kind of take the helm there to say, hey, what can we do to support you in this? Another example, a company out in, in Singapore instituted what they call the walk and talk initiative, where for any internal meeting, their teams were encouraged to take the call on their mobile devices and go for a walk. It's a small change, but they got really into it. So this is not only a physical wellness thing, but it's also social wellness because what what ended up happening is then there was conversation, oh, where are you? And hey, turn on your camera. We wanna see the lake that you're walking next to. And it was a team thing. It was instituted to eliminate some of that burnout and some of that stress and screen fatigue. Staring at the screen for nine hours a day And it did exactly that. And that wasn't a big initiative. That was something that one of the managers actually instituted and that caught wind. So people are doing these kinds of things. Organizations are trying here. A lot more needs to be done. But I think we're now finally getting how important this work is. And vendors are now kind of catching up to some of the offerings and technologies that we need to scale this appropriately. So we have burnout indicators. We have a software that links with your workforce analytics tools that will kind of help coach managers into how to handle certain situations, about burnout and capacity planning and all this kind of stuff. So the space is is ready, right? Organizations need to be ready as well to really step up and, and start supporting their workforces in a more meaningful way.
2: So where do you see yourself as an analyst taking this research?
1: Right now? A lot of my job is convincing organizations that this is something that they need to care about and invest in. Step one. Step one, right? And, I, <laughs> and I'm certainly feeling that we're right at the top of that curve and organizations are really starting to, to understand this. Next, I will be doing some technology spotlights so folks could really understand what their options are here in terms of the tools that can help us scale a lot of this work. And then after that, we're going to really start to highlight some case study work organizations that are doing a good job here so that folks can see examples of not only what organizations have done, but some of the impacts and results that they are seeing as well. So we're creating this coverage area. I think now is the time to do it, and I'm excited to be a part of it.
2: You heard it here, guys. If you feel like you should be a case study for Jonathan, you can always email us at cxcast at com, and we will connect you.
1: One thing I will say is I've had to figure out how to craft this story, if you will, in two distinct ways. Anyone that you encounter, and this is really, I guess, for the people listening that believe me, but that need some help with convincing some other people in their organization, there's two kind of major ways that you want to craft this ask. And I've coined it, you know, you want to talk to someone's head and you want to talk to someone's heart because they will make the decision with either or both of those things, right? So you want to have Some pretty compelling data that says why this is necessary and really speak to a logical, business minded approach, just like you would any other investment. But you also want to be able to put human in this conversation, right? Because at the end of the day, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about real people with real lives that really, really invest in these companies that they work for, and they should be supported. We are asking a lot of our employees right now, we are asking them to bring their whole experience and self and mind and body to work to benefit our organizations, right? And if that's really what we're doing, then we do have a responsibility to support them. Not, we don't own any of these dimensions of wellness for our employees, but, but we should support them in, in it. So find a way to speak to someone's head and then find a way to speak to their heart. And you'll be okay
2: jonathan i love the passion and i'm so glad you are with me on the future of work team thanks for joining us adele and i today on the cx cast
1: thank you for having me it's been a blast
2: and to everyone else thanks for joining as always until next time